0: And bands, bits and pieces, and the magic on the handle making with scientists. I've never seen before. Behind bolted doors, full of an imagination with science. Not what teachers said to do, making
1: things come true, living tissue, born flesh with science.
2: Alright, we are back. This show um Needs a little bit of science. I think all of our shows could benefit from a little bit of science. That's always uh, an upper, I think. And um, this article I thought was fascinating. I don't know if you saw this one. They have been arguing for years over where Christopher Columbus is buried. For years, the Dominican Republic and Spain have argued over who has the, uh, the bones of the famous navigator and, you know, where his final resting place is. Well, modern science was brought to bear on this issue. They took the remains they had in Spain and compared them to DNA that was extracted from remains that were known to be from Columbus's brother Diego, also buried in Seville. Of course, this doesn't prove that the remains that are in the Dominican Republic are not Columbus, because apparently they got moved around quite a bit after he passed away. He actually died and was buried in Spain in 1506, but it asked to be buried in the Americas. His remains were shipped back to Santo Domingo. They apparently were there until 1795 when Spain ceded Hispaniola to France. Of course, the island of Hispaniola is Haiti on the west, Dominican Republic on the east, Uh, They decided in the Dominican Republic that uh, Columbus's remains should not fall into the hands of foreigners, so they dug him up and shipped him to Havana. When America launched the Spanish-American War in 1858, they were then shipped back to Seville. 21 years before that, however, workers digging in the Santo Domingo Cathedral unearthed a leaden box that contained bones that said, Illustrious and Distinguished Male Don Cristobal Colon, which is the Spanish name for Columbus. The Dominicans have claimed that these are the genuine remains, and the Spaniards took the wrong body back in 1795. Well, apparently not. Apparently, the Laboratory of Genetic Identification at the University of Granada in Spain is continuing to work on this DNA mystery to, to solve some of the other, uh, uh, other mysterious aspects of Christopher Columbus, which, uh, which foremost among which is his country of origin. Traditional theory says he was from Genoa, Italy, but there's another line of argument that says Columbus was actually from Catalonia in northeastern Spain. They're also trying to figure out which among various competing families who claim uh, to be descended from Columbus, which one of those may have a legitimate uh, uh, lineage that traces back. I'll tell you one thing, if they decide that Columbus was not Italian, there's going to be hell to pay. We will continue to report as things unfold. I would note uh, by way of historical footnote that his wife was Portuguese. And here's an item we may need your help on. Uh, Of course, KDVS is affiliated with the University of California. We know that a lot of people listen here on campus. And if someone can help me with this one, please send a letter to info at radioparallax.com. New Scientist magazine reported something very curious in the June 3rd edition. This has to do with a mystery that was observed since the time of Aristotle, how hot water can allegedly freeze more quickly than cold water. This has been labeled the Mapemba effect after a Tanzanian school student named Arasto Mapemba, who noticed that sugared milk that he was using to make ice cream froze more quickly if it started out hot. Well, according to Jonathan Katz of the University of Washington at St. Louis, it all has to do with solutes. In other words, the stuff that's in the water that makes it hard, if you boil water, that stuff tends to form gunk in the bottom of the of the uh, pot. The calcium and magnesium bicarbonate precipitate out, well, that stuff messes up the crystal lattice when you're trying to form ice, so if it's out of solution, the water then has an easier time freezing. But on the other hand, hot water has to have all of that heat removed before it can freeze, so I'm a little confused about this. Clearly if you boil water and then let it cool down, that water will freeze easier. But if it's like, you know, 211 degrees Fahrenheit, surely you can't take that water, put it in the freezer, and have it form ice quicker than than unboiled water that starts out at 33 degrees. I don't know. Someone in the physics department, help us out on this one. And a provocative item from the same issue of New Scientist noted that uh, according to Luke Bovins of the London School of Economics, If you're concerned about embryonic death, you've got to be consistent and give up the rhythm method. This, of course, is the only form of birth control that's condoned by the Catholic Church. It consists of trying to avoid pregnancy by abstaining from sex during the woman's fertile period. But Bovins estimated that if the rhythm method's 90% effective big if and if contraceptions outside the fertile period are about twice as likely to fail as survive, then millions of rhythm method cycles per year globally depend for their success upon massive embryonic death. Robert Gosden at the Center for Reproductive Medicine and Infertility in New York says the suggestion is actually reasonable, saying quote "It's quite plausible that more abnormal embryos are conceived at the limits of sperm and egg viability unquote." And as a consequence, those, of course, die in utero. It's an interesting line of reasoning, but I don't think it's going to have any effect on the Vatican because when it comes to reproductive policies, any form of logic appears to have no effect upon the Vatican. And from the uh, heads up in the technology department, we have this final item from also from New Scientist magazine. Apparently, the electronics giant Phillips has filed for a patent in the US for a sneaky way to stop TV viewers from switching channels to avoid advertising or to fast-forward through a recording for the same reason. After a New Scientist's online story about this uh, it got picked up and got re-reported so many times that Philips had to act, its website sprouted a notice to, quote, clarify any confusion, unquote, as the company put it. According to the website for Philips, "...Phillips never had the intention to force viewers to watch ads against their will and does not use this technology in any current Phillips products, nor do we have any plans to do so." Which caused the magazine to say, "...of course we don't doubt this, but why in that case would you spend the money filing the patent?" All right, how much time do we have left, Mr. McMillan? Four minutes. Okay, about okay. About four minutes. All right, um, you know, I want to talk about this matter of the death tax, the repeal of the death tax. I know that almost everyone I know just doesn't get it on this, but we don't have time today. I'm pretty sure when I do get around to explaining this, if I can do it properly, you two are not going to be very happy with Diane Feinstein, Barbara Boxer, and John McCain. Three people were normally fairly happy with. While we're at it, we're also going to try and find out where the various senators stand on the amendment to change the Constitution to eliminate the freedom of speech issue of burning a flag by way of protest. That will be then a, you know, in the U.S. Constitution as being against the law we'll also take a look at the interesting legal argument that the death penalty is by its very nature cruel and unusual punishment since the people that put together the constitution clearly put in the bill of rights uh, a pros- clearly put in the bill of rights that uh, cruel and unusual punishment was not to be used in the united states but also included specifically the death penalty for several crimes how they're going to make this fly i don't know I'll tell you one thing, though. We're going we're gonna to stake out a policy on this program. We are clearly against any efforts to pursue capital punishment by wrapping someone in a flag and burning it. Scott Peterson's family is now offering $250,000 to anyone who can find Lacey Peterson's real killers. We now go to the man who is the go-to guy in that area from Florida, Mr. O.J. Simpson.
1: Well, how you doing, Doug?
2: Mr. Simpson, does this yep. Peterson reward interest you?
1: Well, yes, it does. Uh, you know, my finances have taken a beating, you know, so I'd welcome the opportunity to boost earnings with my detective agency.
2: You have a detective agency?
1: Well, I got Al Callens and Cato back with me, you know, and old Bobby Blake has just joined the team. I call it the real killer's detective agency, do.
2: Well, uh, how's your search going, by the way?
1: Oh, I've checked every tip, every hunch, every lead, from Daytona Beach to Bimini to the Cayman Islands. And? They're clean at least every golf course was. I'm checking the Bahamas next.
2: Well, good luck on that.
1: The juice is still on the case, like a guilty look on your face. Nice. I got me a theory that maybe the same people who did my wife might have did Lacey Peterson.
2: Well, anything's possible, I suppose.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. If hired, I'd run down clues, starting with Scott's fishing on Christmas Eve, because I know how you, when you get wrapped up in your bliss, you lose sight of how things look later on.
2: If, If, like, your wife turns up Murdered.
1: Well, sometimes you're just not thinking about a... A Alibis? Not the word I had in mind, but listen, if Mrs. Peterson can get that money she's out for Scott's mortgage, she'd cover my advance.
2: Now, we understand she's suing Lacey's estate for $35,000.
1: Well, I'd say she's due.
2: For money from Lacey Peterson's estate.
1: Look, Doug, she showed her love for Scott and her daughter-in-law by chipping in financially when he got arrested, you know.
2: Yeah, but her son got nabbed for murdering her daughter-in-law.
1: Well, look, while all that legal stuff was being sorted out, she reached for the checkbook. It restores my faith in people. Blood is thicker than water, so to speak. Uh Uh-huh. I just want to help, Doug. I I just think they deserve the help I offer.
2: Well, maybe so.
1: But they got to hire me first.
2: And why wouldn't they?
1: With no reason I could think of.
2: Uh, Well, us either.
1: Hey, that's good. Look, uh, Doug, I'm looking at the little, you know, uh, watch here. I got to go. I really got to go.
2: All right. Well, g- goodbye. That—that that was the um, head private dick of the new Simpson Real Killers Detective Agency. We'll have to see what kind of results they get. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in case you had any doubt, it's called satire. Anyway, we would like to thank our guests today, Paul Robbins and Phil Cowan, as well as our future East Coast correspondent, Steve Valentino. Thanks also to my producer, Mr. Edward McMillan, for editing that that little segment that we recorded yesterday over uh, in Sacramento. And, you know, we're out of time, so we still are not able to sit down and talk to Todd. But one of these days, we're going to bridge this gap between Radio Parallax and Hometown Atrocities. We will not, however, as Mr. willing suggests, call it radio atrocities. We'll see you next Thursday at 5, and to all of you who will be graduating and moving on to bigger and better things, uh, congratulations, and please, out there in the real world, pass on the good word of KDVS so that uh, uh, others can enjoy what we do here.
0: The are broken Perhaps They're better Left unsung I don't know Don't really care Let there be songs To fill the air And there is no pebble tossed No wind too low Reach out your hand If your cup be empty If your cup is full May it be again Let it be known There is a fountain that was not made by the hands of men. There is a road, no simple high-